0: Hey everyone I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by MuckOff and we've got a lovely discount code coming right up. MuckOff have recently made a big step in their mission to improve their environmental impact by launching Punk Powder, their first ever plastic-free bike cleaner. Punk Powder enables them to reduce packaging by 92% compared to regular cleaner and it means we aren't unnecessarily shipping water around the planet. Punk powder sachets are compostable and printed with vegetable-based inks. They come in a cardboard sleeve which folds into a handy funnel to pour the contents of the sachet into your aluminium bottle for life. Add a litre of warm water, give it a quick shake and you're ready to go. The cleaner is readily biodegradable and made from plant-based ingredients. I've tried it and it's super easy to mix, ready to go in seconds and it works just as well as the already awesome Off Nanotech Bike Cleaner. I managed to clean some pretty stubborn sheep poo off my bike with ease and it left it looking great. If you want to try Punk Powder or get your hands on any of the rest of the Muck Off product range, then as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off during the month of September using the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout over on muck-off.com. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20 over on muckoff.com. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to help support the show, you can get your hands on our range of merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. It's super top quality, it's organic, it's made in a factory using renewable energy and it's delivered with no single-use plastics. Head there now and check out what we've got. All the proceeds help support and improve the show. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's probably going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you're going to get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. Also, please give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date and it's always lovely to hear from you there. Wow, what a finale to an incredible World Cup season. I have to say, I didn't expect anything that actually happened over this week's racing. As ever, I'm joined by Nico Malali and Elliot Jackson to get into the details of what went on. Find out a bit about the changes to the track and the challenges that brought to the racers. What was it like racing downhill six days in a row and who cracked under the pressure? There's plenty to cover. So without further ado, here's Elliot and Nico. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Snowshoe part two, the grand finale for the 2021 season. Man, Snowshoe delivered some insane, unexpected events and racing over the last week. It's been mad to watch. We're joined as ever by Nico and Elliot to chat all about it. Uh, Nico, let's start with you. How tired are you after, uh, six days of downhill racing and an after-party.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess to put this podcast in perspective for people listening, it's uh, 11 o'clock in the morning after the last race of the season and a big after-party. So Elliot and I, are uh, we're, we're ready to go for this podcast. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but uh, I don't feel too bad, actually. The six days didn't end up being quite as brutal as I thought. Definitely, um, like, uh, mentally it was tough to, to do it so many days in a row. And I really thought that like after the first race, the next practice was going to be just brutal after going through a full race weekend. Um, but it was actually fun and it was like really relaxed and chill. It felt like you were on like a riding vacation with your buddies and instead of a world cup practice day. So, um, it was fun. And I think the weather being nice made it a lot more enjoyable. Like last year when we did this in Maribor and it was cold and pouring down rain, it was not as enjoyable as, uh, it was this week.
0: Nice. Good stuff. Elliot, how about you? A lot of talking over the last few days.
2: Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know if I said that on the first one, but yeah, like 16 hours of talking, I think, um, one of the days it's just like, yeah, like doing the YouTube stuff and then commentary, um, and then we actually had Fox ran a contest for go Cycling, where uh, we had a a dude came out won a con or like won a trip to snowshoe, hung out with me and Jordy, so went out to dinner and all that stuff. But yeah, like Nico was saying, last race of the season, six days, feeling a bit dusty, but uh, yeah.
0: Good stuff. Let's let's roll in to find out a little bit about the track itself. Nico, tell us about the changes to the track and uh, the kind of the impact that made on the course overall.
1: Yeah, so there was two main sections that they changed, maybe like twenty percent different than the first track. Um, at the top, we hit like a a road gap thing, and then into a set of little rollers, and then a step down, and it was just honestly pretty easy for all the world cup guys. Like normally jumps like that don't have much separation. Like the speed that you would hit it if you're in a world cup final, is pretty much the same for everyone. So it was a little bit faster and felt easier. So it maybe was less physical. Like the other course had a couple of tight turns and um, stuff that you had to work the bike more. So I felt like this course, you could come into the bottom section fresher because of that. And then there's a section called the wild zone, which is like the steep section under the ski lift. If you saw it on the first race, they removed that and used an old section of trail that we've actually used at like regional and national races here. And it's a lot slower, more technical, just a chunky single track mountain bike trail. And it actually proved to be pretty cool for for a world cup race. I thought it would kind of be janky and almost like enduro feeling more than downhill but it um it was tough it was technical there was a few even though it was a single track trail it was like a few lines on it and um i I preferred it actually i thought that yeah it suited me better but it was more in line with like what i think we should be racing instead of a 20 foot wide smooth steep straightaway that you have to see who can break the latest on I'd, i'd rather ride a chunky technical trail. So I think it, I think it worked out well.
0: Fair play. And, uh, yeah, just what snowshoe needed, I guess a few more rocks. Elliot, what was the, uh, the response from, from riders that weren't Nico? Yeah, I, I think, um, I didn't actually get to, I
2: not get to, but I didn't really ask anyone, like if they liked it or not. Um, felt like everyone, felt like everyone did like it, I would assume, but like nobody was complaining about it. Um, it was just, kind of the name of the game. And like Nico said, there was way more time to be made up that ended up being the key section on the live feed. So it went from split two down to where the old track or connected back into the old track. And yeah, people were making up, you know, a second, um, two seconds or whatever right there, which for sure didn't happen just on that uh, steep uh, straight that was there before.
0: Yeah, fair play. Nico, any changes to the bike for this track? It's uh relatively similar, I guess, but did you did you tweak anything from your your race earlier in the week?
1: Yeah, I changed the color. I
0: think that made a big difference.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to ask about the bike so we we've got a chance to win it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, so like for 2 years I raffled off my world's bike and having these prototype frames I wasn't able to do it the past um, 2020 and, and then this year at Worlds. So I thought this would be a good chance to race the M29. I thought it would work well on this track and then I could give it away as well. So, um, the first two times I did it, I, I raised 25 grand each year, which I thought was pretty cool for a bike that somebody else gave me. I just like passed it on and used the money to do something good. So, um, I'm going to do the same this year. Um, in the past we bought like pretty basic kids' bikes and helmets and gave them to kids who never had a bike before. But this time we're going to buy real mountain bikes and keep them at the bike park and allow the kids to use them for free. So um, hopefully some of the kids that we gave the bikes to last time will now be able to come and learn how to ride a a real bike on proper trails. And um, yeah, I'm going to try to make a program where for every so many days they ride they have to learn how to do maintenance on the bikes and maybe trail maintenance just let them use them for free but also teach them how to be good future mountain bikers
0: very cool how do people go about entering that
1: yep so there's um a link in my instagram bio it's uh just a shopify site that i made it's like nico.malali.com. will take you there And you can, um, so there's like some laws around gambling. Elliot knows about this for fundraising with, um, with his foundation, but I, instead of, uh, selling raffle tickets, I'm selling a poster. And if you buy a poster, you will be entered into winning the bike. And if you don't want the poster, you just want to give money or have a chance to win. You can make a donation on there as well. And, um, it's like a $10 donation. You can make... Any amount of $10 donations you want, you can enter the quantity and, um, and then people can win. I'm going to pick the winner in eight weeks. So hopefully that'll give us some time to like run a few little waves through through the campaign and, and hopefully generate some money and buy some bikes for kids.
0: Nice one! Awesome work, man. Yeah, we'll stick a link in the show notes for the episode so people can uh, can find that nice and easily and get involved. Good, good prizes and uh, an awesome outcome from that. So yeah, good stuff. All right, let's talk a little bit about qualifying real quickly. A couple of key points from there, I guess. First one, Elliot Miriam yet again put a a, a very impressive chunk of time into the rest of the women's field. It was looking pretty good for it at that point, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, man. Like the women's field it's just so fast. Like you watch them ride now and you know, they've always been really fast, but I think the level has stepped up so much. I was talking to Cammy about that. Like, I think maybe it was honey where the last jump in the woods, uh, there's like this triple and in 19 only Marine was doing it. And this year, like pretty much almost like the whole women's field is doing it. And you can kind of see that all the way down the track. Like when, When Miriam rides, she's just like slapping turns and um, just working the bike so good. Um, Just really, really incredible. I think she's on another level. I remember uh, after the first race, Valley said that like, you know, even if I had a good run, uh, Miriam's just on fire and she's going to be hard to beat. So I think qualifying is kind of another, uh, another picture of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then the other, I guess, standout, moment from qualifying uh was that it didn't look like people were holding back tebow certainly didn't look like he was holding back and it didn't end too well for him a relatively small mistake i guess in the grand scheme saw him off the bike and uh ended up with a a broken ankle i think and a broken thumb nico what what is that section of the track like because the crash kind of watching it looks relatively innocuous but i'm guessing that tv does not do it justice Yeah. It's tough.
1: Like on TV when you can't see every root and rock and the depth perception of everything, but that section is really tough. It's chunky and rocky. It's steeper than it looks. It's more off camera than it looks. And, uh, it has like some grade changes too. So like you go over a blind rise into like a rock garden and, um, you're kind of changing direction at the same time. So it's pretty hard to line it all up. And, uh, I guess, a lot of riders didn't practice too much on the first day to save energy. So maybe in his run, he was coming in not as precise on his line. I don't know if that affected him, but regardless, that's a tough section. And, um, it's just hard to like get out of that corner and line up for the next straight away. It's there's like no support it's off camber and yeah, there's a bunch of rocks that'll bite you. And it looked like Tebow just slipped a pedal and then kind of ran off track and there was so much chunky stuff to the side of the trail that he, like, if he would have ran off somewhere else, it might not have been the same way, but he just couldn't kind of come to a stop and get off the bike without having that issue. So yeah, bummer for sure for him.
0: Yeah. But opens the door for uh, a few of the other top guys. Hey, eh? did you, did you hear anything Elliot from anyone? Were, were people kind of changing their mindsets a little bit? Cause suddenly that door was open, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think it was just one of those like nightmare weeks for him. It's kind of like three runs, three race runs, and three crashes. The first one in that first qualifying, which just pushed his front tire over a bike park rim. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like lapse of focus almost. It seemed like, and then uh, he had that second one where his wheel failed, and you know kind of unlucky but at the same time mistake probably would have crashed anyway um if his even if his wheel didn't didn't go uh, and then yeah in qualifying like Nico was saying that where he crashed is much bigger that drop is much bigger than it looks on TV when you're kind of looking down it's like overhead high and <clears throat> yeah just such a bummer for him I kind of uh, I talked to him after the race because he was here uh Because they won the team overall, I think. And um, was kind of just chatting with him about how he felt, you know, going from three over 300 points ahead to losing the championship, but still getting second um, or third, sorry. And he just said that he needs more experience. Like, he didn't know how to not go super fast like in a race run he either could go full out and go for a win um or or nothing and so he was just saying he that was kind of what he needed to learn and i think on the surface you kind of like oh my god like you don't know how to not do a full speed race run but i think for everyone at home it's you Riding, and Nico has kind of talked about this a little bit in the past, where riding at like 97% uh, is so incredibly difficult. Because when you try to ride at 97%, you actually are riding probably at like 80% or maybe like 85%. So I think that that is such a skill, and I think that that's kind of what we see. Um, That's why like Greg is so good, and all of these people like, like Troy is so good. Um, because they can actually tune those couple percents at the top um, to say, like, cool, yeah, I, I only need a top twenty or I only need a top ten, and to know what that looks like and how fast to go to get that. So it's a second year elite, and I know he'll he'll come back and probably be in contention for an overall. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, be surprised in the next couple of years, but uh, yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. We'll see that guy take it at some point. I'm sure he's got the got the raw pace and the talent, no doubt about that. Yeah, let's chat about about some of the racing then. First off, congratulations to Isabella Yankova and Jordan Williams on taking wins again in the in the junior races, and Isabella for taking the overall. There's some super exciting young riders coming up the ranks for sure. So uh, good to see, and looking forward to seeing some of those lot moving up into elites over the next few years. And then on the women's racing side of things, um, Millie Johnston, what a weekend for her! Two red flags in both of her race runs, and having to go back up to the top uh, and do it all again. I think certainly on the on the second race, red flagged a long way down the track when she was on a on a really good run. What's it like, Nico, getting getting red flagged and trying to get back into that position to go hard again?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean. It could go either way. If you're on a bad run, you're like, oh, this is a blessing that I got this red flag and another chance at it. But um, when you're on a good one, there's only so much of that uh, mindset that you can tap into. And when you spend it, it's hard to go up there and get back into it and do it again. Like To, to achieve like your peak performance at a World Cup and to get into the mindset you need to at the start, you, you only have so much of that. And you can't very easily replicate it. And once you've spent it and done it, it's really hard to go back up there and think like that you're going to do it again. And I mean, for it to be that special, it has to be something that's difficult to get into not a mindset you can just snap right into. So man, tough. You must just have to go to the top. And I mean, it's a physical course too. So even in practice here, like I was taking a break between runs. We, the pits were pretty far away from the chairlift. So my mechanic would wait at the top and, uh, and check the bike. And, and I I would definitely like sit for 15, 20 minutes to try to just not be going back to back because it was tough on the body. So, um, hopefully she had a chance to, get up there and spin on a warm-up bike and kind of almost do like a warm down from the first one before she uh, had to jump back into the start gate but yeah definitely a a difficult thing to do
0: yeah but looks like a good season for her like sixth on the day eighth in the overall so yeah good to see her making progress tiny seagrave let's talk a bit about her she looks pretty aggressive on track. I thought like it looked like the tiny that we expect to see, but I saw her say she'd been losing around sort of six seconds in the rocks lower down on the track for most of the week. She managed to get that down. to I think only losing one second in this particular race, but any thoughts on what might be going on there, Elliot? I mean, she is quite light. Is that part of the issue or is it just like a personal challenge for her getting to grips with that rock section?
2: Yeah, <coughs> I think,
0: overall um
2: you know kind of talked to her about her season and she was saying this is one of the first seasons that she it's been so up and down uh over the course of over the course of the season usually she's like consistent um and usually she's kind of has the speed as well but like i was saying i think it's more down to just the level of women's riding now more less than uh or It's more down to the level of women's riding rather than like you know her having a specific hang up, maybe in the rocks. Uh, I think all the girls were just riding so fast, but for her, kind of that challenge. Like, it's interesting at the end of the season, you kind of each every rider has a theme that they are going to work on in the offseason. I think hers is just finding that speed and, and kind of that mental capacity to deal with the ups and downs of the racing. Um, She like, obviously like not super, super happy with a lot of those fourths and fifth places that she had. Um, But yeah, the top, the top girls were just going so, so fast.
0: Yeah, definitely. Marine Cabru looking good. She was putting in a a hell of a run there and she was actually up on Valley hole at split four by Point eight of a second i think but valley's run obviously super impressive hopefully she was carrying some of that confidence from the win on on wednesday maybe just took the pressure off her a little bit got that monkey off her back but also to be able to put kind of basically the best part of a second into a rider like marine Cabarou, who owned that bottom section of the track last year nico do you do you have any thoughts into how you differentiate by that amount on a on a section of track that's so short. I think how hard you pedaled across the flat section will carry
1: you into the next wood. So I apologize, I couldn't watch the women's race because I was warming up for, for my race at the same time. But maybe she would have pedaled harder across that flat and that can carry you down to the finish. And also like the last grass turn right before the finish line jump it made a pretty big difference if if people were able to carry more speed through that turn and stay lower on the jump and carry that to the finish. I think yeah, you could you could easily make up a second just hitting that correctly. So it could be um those two spots.
0: What was that turn, like Nico, because it was really hard to see on the live feed. Is it like an unsupported field turn or?
1: Yeah, it was just a basic grass flat turn had kind of like an awkward hump coming out of it. Um, cause they had built that whale tail feature that they then removed. None of the riders really wanted that thing in there. So they changed it to the tabletop and it had like the dirt built up to go on the whale tail, um, exiting the turn that ended up being almost like a little roller hump sort of thing. So that was kind of like an awkward rise coming out of a flat turn. Um, and it got a little bit of a rut in it. I wouldn't say a rut, but kind of got burned in as the week went. But um, still like a, a pretty tight turn um, into a long straightaway. So if you could execute that well, it would have carried you nicely over the last jump into the
0: finish. Got yeah, Okay, cool. And then let's talk about Miriam Elliott. Once again, looked like she was on another level, really. She was absolutely flying. Incredible splits. Was she, It was tight on time. She was down at some points. Everything was going pretty well, though it was looking like she was on target for the overall until that turn, right hand turn into the lower woods after the sprint. I mean, I I can't work out what happened there. It looks like the Mario Kart thing where someone throws a banana skin in front of you and you just spin off the track. Like any th- any thoughts on what happened?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would have when she came out of the woods, I was like, ah, oh, she's home free, like totally got it, and she only needed a top five to win the overall. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when I rode this track, like you, I don't even know how you crashed there. Like it doesn't even seem like a turn really. Um, so I didn't get a chance to talk to her, but yeah, I don't know if that's just the pressure of the overall. Um, it's just a random occurrence. Like it's so strange. Like I, I don't, I feel for for the whole commensal team um, with Tebow and and Miriam, where you had two shoe ins for the overall at the beginning of the week. Kind of talked to Valley about it. Uh, I was like, "Man, did you ever imagine you'd be in this position?" She's like, "No." Like, I mean, before this race, Valley uh, her best result was fourth, and then she leaves here with two back to back wins in the overall. Uh, so it's yeah it's I have no idea (laughs) it's incredible
0: yeah Nico is there anything going on in that little right hand turn into the lower woods after the after the sprint like I didn't see anyone else like even have a little slide there it's a very
1: basic turn there is like a little water bar that you kind of cross as you make the apex of the corner but I I think maybe the only thing I could think of was that she was so exhausted at that point that she like laid everything into the pedal and, and thought she was home free and then just had that little mistake. Um, like I, I would imagine at the, the women riding at a slower speed, sometimes when you go slower through rocks like that, they're way rougher feeling when you hit every hole, it's like worse, the slower you go. So maybe at the, the speed that the women are going and then, having that hard sprint like she was just absolutely smoked and had that mistake but i i I, that would be the last
0: turn on the track i would guess that you would have a problem with yeah strange hey and it was it was crazy yeah (laughs) watching the the live feed valley clearly didn't know she'd won it initially miriam looked absolutely unconsolable it was a an interesting and strange moment in sport but definitely yeah not what i expected but an interesting outcome. Great for Valley. Some confidence after a rough season to come out with two wins and to take the over in her first season in Elite. certainly didn't look like that was going to happen. Miriam knows she's got the pace. Hopefully she can recover and move on and and enjoy what she has achieved. And then I think Camille Ballon, she's a rider that, I mean, she's been so consistent throughout the whole season. She's really raised her game. She's not been riding that long she's got another off season to improve she's going to be a big threat next season hey Elliot.
2: yeah for sure i um just kind of talking to her she said that or i i guess i asked her you know how much more progress do you feel like you can make like are you you feel like you're up to top speed um she's like no like not at all like i would have never expected this um, when i came to the season i was kind of Hoping that I could get some top fives, maybe fight for a couple of podiums, um, but you know, here she is, just almost like a the Troy of the women's field. It feels like where she's always second or third, just so strong, barely ever makes a mistake. Just so precise on the bike. Um, so I think that she will hopefully be, you know, kind of more motivated going into the off season to work on all of those things that that she was talking about and just uh, like pick up more speed because yeah, she's, and I think she's like one of the smartest riders out there where there's, especially in the women's, there can be different gaps and things like that, that are like super sketchy. Like we kind of heard about that one at Leger and she'll make these calls where she's like, Oh yeah, I'm like, just not going to do it. And for her, that lets her totally focus on the rest of the track because for anyone, right, when you have some gap or some part of the track that's super sketchy, you end up thinking about that the entire way down the, the hill and uh, just focusing on that. And for her to make those calls, uh, like here, um, she didn't jump the like that transfer jump, um, and I think that that for a lot of a lot of the women were kind of one of those things they fo- they had to focus on. Uh, throughout the week, and so for her, just not jumping it, going around it, um, focusing on the rest of the track. I think that kind of gives her a bit of an edge. Um, so in the off season, I think she'll kind of work on some of that stuff, maybe some of the jumps and um, some of the other things, and come back next year. Just she's going to be super dangerous. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if she uh, won the overall.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to it. Let's move on to the the men's racing. So with Tebow out, it was kind of all to play for for reese although a bit of a push but loris and loic definitely in the hunt everyone went hard that is for sure it was an incredible race to watch before we uh, delve into and to uh, the rest of the riders nico how was your race run
1: yeah i was um it was better than the runs i've been having i rode a lot more aggressively got pretty loose at the top of the track and kind of set the tone to charge on that way so um i made a fair few mistakes, but the way I've been riding has been tight and too clean. So, um, it was a better result than I've got the past couple rounds and kind of gave me some confidence to see that like, Oh, it's possible. Like top 20 was only two seconds away. So, um, without those mistakes for sure, it would have been there. And it was nice to like charge on at that speed. So I was happy with it.
0: Nice. Coming out of the season, feeling good then, although a bit dusty.
1: I was feeling good um, after the race. Now, um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Excellent>. <laughs> a, a ride is kind of pushing to try and make sure they get protected status for next year. How does that work?
1: Yeah, a top 10 overall is um, protected at every round next year and guaranteed live TV. So, um, of course, you want that, but I don't think you're thinking about that while you're racing. You're just going to try to do the best you can and hopefully um, tick that off. I think both for like the peace of mind to know that you're going to be protected, but also if you're going to sponsors and saying, I'm guaranteed on the broadcast at every round, um, that can be helpful too. So it's definitely appealing to riders.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about some of the riders, a couple of things that stood out um, Cade's chainless run I thought was pretty impressive Elliot like that's uh, a track that a lot of people are talking about being flat and fairly physical although not a huge amount of pedaling I guess but there definitely is some putting that result out there with uh, without a chain from the very first pedal is pretty impressive
2: yeah totally uh, I saw him after the race and he was just like my bike was working so good <laughs> so <laughs> even with those high pivots like chain still does make a difference and Cade was riding super good all week. Like, he, I think he won that fourth sector in qualifying in the Rocks. So he was just like riding the Rocks insane uh, all week. And it was really just kind of the top that was giving him trouble. So, yeah, but <laughs> insane. It really kind of shows you the difference in gradient of a track like here, or Leo Gang, or whatever, uh, where you can win the race. Um, but you could kind of see that. In, and in Reese's run as well kind
0: of
2: um if you don't have the chain then like you had to pedal here like there was no I'm not going to pedal and win the race
0: fair play and he, he's a rider that reminds me a lot of Brooke mcdonald actually and brook had another pretty good go at taking out a few of the snowshoe rocks he had a, another fairly hefty crash in his race run and and jumped up without any issues the response from the crowd was what blew me away. It was so cool to hear so many people. Nico, what was it like as an American as well, riding in front of that crowd?
1: Oh, man, it was amazing. Uh, the Wednesday race was a little bit quiet just because it's, people were working, couldn't come out. But yesterday was felt just like 2019. It was packed. I, I stopped to take a break in practice on the side of the track and couldn't hear anything, just people yelling for me, chanting my name, um, for three minutes while I caught my breath. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, just so many fans in the pits and, um, definitely special. Like last year, racing a lot of the races with no crowd, um, was a weird atmosphere. So to be getting properly back to racing with crowds is, it's so cool as a racer to have that and to have that support. It makes you feel special and makes you charge a little harder. So really cool.
0: Amazing stuff. A rider who's, uh, his performance stood out yet again. He's had a few of these this season. Uh, Tuto Pene, uh, was leading the Mercedes Benz key section for pretty much the whole race. I think until the last two or three riders came down the hill, he's obviously got a serious talent. I mean, he has a little bit of support, I guess, through the Santa Cruz, uh, uh, union project with Steel city media. But do you think we'll see him move into a bigger team, Elliot next year? Have you heard any rumors?
2: I don't think so. I think they're definitely going to try to keep, keep him there. Uh, and that team, I think, um, Santa Cruz is trying to step up and give them some more support and a couple other, a couple other people. Um, the, The idea, I think, that Jobo, Steel City Media has for that team is really cool. Jobo is like a super creative, creative dude. So um, it was it started off as kind of like a privateer effort, like getting together a lot of privateers and some people who didn't have a lot of support. But and so then Ali Zwar, another dude who did well, I think Tohoto got uh, 16th and Ali got 17th. Um, But yeah, so Ollie's like team manager as well. And they just been riding super good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, they, and with Greg out, the syndicate team actually gave them a little bit of support. So Lyle, Greg's mechanic went over there and fixed their bikes. And he was saying that Ollie's wheel was just like an oval because he had built it. And it was like, just not super good. And, uh, then Laura as well, the physio got over there and gave them some, gave them some love and Lucas trainer, Jared was here. So he, uh, he gave them some love as well. So kind of maybe shows you what a little bit of real factory support looks like. And so that Ollie didn't have to do so much and the, the guys didn't have to work on their own bikes and stuff like that. But yeah, I think, I think Toto's an amazing rider. I think he'll just get better and better. Um, and, and same with Ollie.
0: Good stuff. And I think, uh, certainly from, from what I saw on the live feed, Danny Hart was kind of the first rider Danny put in a time that looked really strong, ended up in sixth place, which I think is his third, sixth place of the season. It's, it's a pretty good season given that he's on a whole new bike, whole new setup, but I'm guessing Danny's going to want more, hey, is it?
2: yeah for sure I think it had to be a bit disappointing to not find that speed that he had in 2019 here Um, and then for him as well like not gonna win and just not quite be there but at the same time you're consistently up there and I know he's kind of struggled with that in the past maybe not just over his career there'll be some years where he'll have those nice results but then maybe have like a 14th, 15th, 16th or something like that. So that was, that was good for him this year to be super consistent. And like you said, whole new bike and whole new team and everything. So,
0: yeah, definitely. Nico, let's move on to one of your old teammates, Angel Suarez. It's been a threat all season. He really delivered uh, on this particular run. He suffered a broken chain at some point near the bottom. I think certainly there was evidence of a chain hanging off once he'd crossed the line. He was only point six of a second back. Do you know any, anything about what went on there? Like where the chain went or, uh, Elliot maybe does.
2: Yeah. I, um, I saw him after the race and he said that he hit his chain guide in that last rock section, but it's been his chain ring, and he was like pedaling and he could feel it like, and then right as he crossed the line, uh, it, it went, I think he said he'd like pedaled backwards a little bit and it just, uh. It, it broke so it's like super lucky super super lucky to not have the same thing happen that Kate had happened or sorry Reese
0: yeah Nico do you, do you think that would make a huge amount of difference time wise or do you think that was you know pretty much what Angel had in the tank on the day
1: it's hard to say um sometimes when you notice something like that happening, you kind of nurse the bike to the line because you don't want it to break or pop off so um I'm not sure if he had that in the back of his mind or not, but um, 0.6 off the win, you could definitely argue that uh, even just a bent chain ring could have amounted to that amount of time. So um, regardless, getting third place, awesome. And uh, it's really cool to see Angel up there charging
0: definitely definitely and Elliot you mentioned Reese he put in a, a valiant effort but yeah that bent Chainring saw him slip one and a half seconds I think at the bottom finishes fifth in the overall but he's definitely cemented his place as one of the top guys now hey
2: yeah for sure I mean he is I feel like he's like a mini Sam Hill every race there's all these different lines that he's doing a bunch of chatter in the pits and um, I think he and it's, and it's also really good for him to back up that run that he had on Wednesday because that's also a lot of pressure that you put on yourself. It's like, oh, I can win. I won here before and um, you know, I expect myself to do it again uh, and have that speed and all of that stuff. So for Reese, man, this is like an insane season. And um, definitely those two runs, I, the two, two of my favorite runs were actually his, his run here in Snowshoe. And when he won on Wednesday and and that Leger run that he had, I think it just kind of shows that he is he's on pace and has the speed to be up there consistently And fifth place in the overall like that's rare air like you don't really have that many people who have ever been fifth place in the overall uh, at the end of the season. So really, really good. Congratulations to him.
0: Yeah, he's going to go home a happy boy, I think. Nico, someone local to you, Lucas Shaw, he looked so good through that top section of the track, like just precise, lovely scrubs off all the jumps, flying sixth place with a broken wrist. I'm guessing he's going to be pretty happy with that, an, an up-and-down season that's definitely sent him some trouble. But, yeah, he'll be in a good place, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He was really pumped to end the season with a podium. And... um yeah sore wrist and all he made it happen here at snowshoe and I mean all week he kind of just looked like he was cruising through practice I'm sure uh, the wrist had something to do with that but in general Luca's style is just like very effortless and makes it look so easy and simple and sometimes it looks like he's going slow or not trying but I think he just makes the track as efficient as he can and doesn't waste any energy or try to do something gnarly for no time gain. So, um, yeah, after I saw him in practice and before the first race, and he was just like, I thought he looked slow. And then he qualified third. (laughs) It was pretty cool. Um, just goes to show his like riding style just is so efficient and works so well. Um, but this time to be able to back it up and finish on the podium in the final was awesome. And, um, I'm sure like got a, At a US race, like he got so many cheers. Um, but it must be it must feel awesome to be on the podium in the home country like that. So I was super proud of him and um just
0: really awesome to see. Definitely, yeah, man. Good to see him getting a good one in towards the end of the season. One of my performances of the day that kind of stands out is Amory Pieron. I mean, this guy's had a big chunk of time off, some pretty gnarly injuries. He's ended up sixth in the overall without even doing two of the races and he was only 0.77 off the win yesterday elliot what thoughts on that it's incredible huh
2: yeah he um i think he's pretty stoked on on just being able to come back because that injury injury that he had that French national is like it's definitely no joke like internal bleeding like you know injuring some organs and stuff like that and uh for him to be even like back riding and everything by the end of the season was an accomplishment and then to have that consistency i think and that upward trajectory at the end of the year was was also great you know kind of a big contrast for him compared to that 2019 season where he was fighting for the overall uh, fighting for the win and things like that uh or close i guess in position to the win um but yeah he's got to be, he's got to be super stoked. And, and one of the things too, I wanted to say about Luca I thought was interesting was in qualifying, he said that he like felt like he rode the top really, really well. And like, there was some speed to make up in the rocks, but kind of looked at the splits and, um, and he was actually down like at the top, like that was where he needed to make up the most time. So we had kind of talked about it and I know him and Steve Pete, went and really kind of dug into the track after qualifying, walked down, found, found a couple things. I think in the two berms before the, like that thread, the needle between the trees jump, he had been riding like both the berms. And we saw Loic really cut those two berms off. And I think he took that line and, um, found a couple, couple more things. So I just thought it was kind of like an interesting like your feeling doesn't always correlate to good time. And then you really have to do, there's like a lot of work to be done um, to figure out where that time needs to be made up. So like you're watching films of the other riders, you're kind of talking to people who've been on the track, um, really thinking about it yourself to say like, are there any lines? Could I go faster? Did I push it hard enough? Um, And so it's a, not just, there's a lot of strategy, I guess. um, And it's not just about like, kind of yoloing it or, um, that sort of thing.
0: Not bad having Greg Minar and Steve Pete trackside looking for lines for you either, right?
2: Yeah, man. Actually it was super interesting to me because before it shows you like how good Greg is. Um, I talked to him after qualifying, uh, that evening and he was like, yeah, so Reese went outside the tree and and it was like two Ks an hour faster in the speed trap. And he was saying like everyone in that last rock garden, everyone was timing, like they had their timers and stuff like that, like around who, or like what was faster, like inside or outside the tree. And he was like, yeah, but people aren't timing it long enough. Like they should be timing it all the way. Like you can't really see it cause there were trees, but like really you should be timing it all the way to almost like the triple or like the end of the pedal. Um, because when you went outside the tree, you could get higher, uh, coming into that flat left turn, like right where we saw Reese's chain break. And it didn't fail that in the, in the race, everyone that took the outside kind of like made up ground on the pedal. There was a little sector on the Red Bull, um, timing system that only had the pedal and everyone that went outside was faster than the people who went inside, even, I think Troy was really the only one that kind of made that inside work. But yeah, crazy that that Greg was able to kind of like call that out, um, almost like down to the kilometer on the speed track.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, never switches off that guy. You mentioned Troy, I mean, point four back. There's a bit of talk about whether light riders were at a disadvantage through some of these rock sections, like a bit less momentum to truck on with. And Troy I guess showed that, that that isn't the case another impressive ride Nico from uh, a man that's always seems to be there or thereabouts it's so many years now at the top right yeah for sure he looked awesome in practice too like
1: I think being lighter it was easier to not get hung on the square edges but harder to keep the momentum rolling across the flat sections so um, a couple spots where I saw him he just it just looked like he was lighter on his feet through through certain rocks and um carrying good speed in the in the chunky stuff. Um but yeah I mean he it ne- it never seems to matter what the track's like for Troy. He's consistent everywhere. I wouldn't I wouldn't think of like a certain track being a Troy style track. He can kinda win or be on the podium and has on all the tracks, whether it's steep or flat or dusty or wet, it's, it works for him. So um yeah awesome to see him charging and yeah happy for him to get a good result yesterday
0: definitely let's talk about oh no go on Elliot
2: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I thought it was interesting that this year it seemed like he found that extra level of speed I interviewed him right before he went up on the podium and he said like you know I'm happy to be like fighting with Loic when he's riding like Loic. And so he had that win at the beginning of the season and then was like right there at worlds. And then again here, he's like right there. So I think like for him, he, he really felt like he found that extra gear. Like he might've been, um, you know, not winning all the time or whatever, but he was like so close to winning. Uh, I think it was definitely a, an accomplishment like he achieved his goal of of um finding that next year i think that he talked about in in leo gang where he's like i'm tired of getting second place like i want to win and so then you saw that at, at worlds and and also here where he was in contention and and yeah i i just like can't understate what it means to be fighting with Lowick for a win when he's on fire like that like that is he's so hard to beat
0: yeah, definitely. And it's a good way to come out of the season for Troy. So exciting stuff. Let's talk about Loris Vergier. Nico, sort of mathematically, it was Loris's to lose in a way. It looks like maybe the pressure got to him. Talk us through your thoughts on his race run.
1: Yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, he's a such a nice kid and, and um, just well-liked by all the riders. So I think everyone was pulling for him and wanted to see him do it um and it was just kind of sad for him that it didn't come together the way he wanted um and it's it was like two years in a row like last year going into the final race he um he had the shot to win it and couldn't make it happen um I think more to do like last year was kind of like misty weather for the last couple guys um <clears throat> so that was that affected it but yesterday it was just a messy like it seemed like I don't, I don't know what happened at the top of the track. He couldn't really see it on the TV, but he was pretty far down when he hit the first split and then um, just kind of like compounded a bunch of mistakes. Obviously, the big one running off the track, it was over after that. Um, but then had like weird stuff happen once he got back on as well. So, um, yeah, just a bummer. I, I hope that it's not like a choking situation. I, I hope it's just that – he just couldn't put a good run together because the guy's such a good rider. And um, sometimes when you get it in your head that you have this problem, it becomes a problem. So I hope that's not what it is for him.
0: Definitely, Elliot, go
1: on. Yeah,
2: it's it's funny that Nico says that because, like, when I was watching it back, I was like, "Man, he like doesn't look like himself. <laughs> like, doesn't it look like he's riding like the Loris that we know." Uh, So I feel like everyone kind of noticed that. And when I talked to him after the race, he, uh, he said like that he was super hyped up and like, like too hyped up, I guess, and, and came into the run, um, like riding really, really aggressively. And that's kind of not what he normally does. So I think he was maybe just feeling that extra level of excitement and pressure and, like Nico was saying and, and, um, and, and kind of rode to that. But he was just like, man, like I just shouldn't have done that. Like I just needed to chill out a bit more and, and ride like I normally rode instead of trying to do more, um, than, than I could.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. And then we had Finals and he just sort of backed up that first place qualifying from earlier in the week with another good quality run race run was looking super good. Like just seemed really focused and aggressive in his riding, um, but just got a bit out of shape coming off that flat drop and hit a tree kind of hard enough to dislocate most people's shoulders, I think. Um, but yeah, he was he was going super well, so that was good to see. And then last man down, and uh, I heard Loic saying uh, in an interview beforehand, it must have been on the live feed that he he quite likes going last. He, it says it helps him get in that mindset where he's kind of able to push and, and take the risk. So last man down the hill, last race of the year. This man knows how to deliver. He did the same thing in loser in 2020. And it was a convincing win as well, right? 1-1-1-1-1. One, 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 took every split, which is is pretty rare these days. Um, yeah, true champions bit of work, I think, that one, eh? Hey?
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, that was it felt like Michael Jordan making like a game winning shot, like at the buzzer. And not only because he won the overall at the last minute, but there's only a couple people in the world that can actually rise to that pressure and want that pressure and want to like, you know, if you use the basketball analogy, like want to have the ball in their hands. Um, And I felt like, you mentioned those interviews and it was great to see this progression and you got to see like really into Loic's head. Um, when he said, yeah, like I, I want, I want to be the last man down the hill. <laughs> he put it like, makes me feel like I'm like playing with my life a bit. And, um, and I think that he's one of the only people who, knows what to do in that situation. It was interesting hearing him talk after the race because he was like, yeah, like people were chanting my name. And And I also asked him, like, did you know that Loris crashed? Um, and he said, no, like I didn't want to find out. I thought there might have been a PA up there or something, but I guess he couldn't hear it if there was. And uh, he said that the people were like chanting his name like while he was getting into the starting line and jack like came over to him and just said you know like enjoy it and like go for it and uh and so i thought that that was like a pretty gnarly moment like kind of goosebumps where it's so heavy like you have like all of this hype and this feeling like you know he said like he'll never forget that for the rest of his life like that whole process of getting into the run doing the run and then coming across the finish line um just a pretty amazing moment in in like our sports history i feel like
0: a hundred percent yeah and a guy started the season with a a broken heel or some kind of heel injury had a a pretty serious injury over the last few weeks That's seen him in hospital and kind of struggling to work to to walk nico what are your your thoughts on on turning that into a, a season where you take the overall yeah, I mean, he just
1: showed up and did his best in the situation. Every chance he raced, and some situations were worse than others. But um, I think at the end of the at the end of the six race series, it it proved to to work out for him. And it was it was interesting. Like after I guess Maribor, we thought like, oh, the season's going to be over in three weeks, but it was only really halfway done with with these two races here at the doubleheader. So um yeah, super interesting how everything kind of changed and none of what we predicted happened. But um yeah, <laughs> everything Elliot said, like props to Loic He's such a good rider. And that situation is like his superpower. That is super Bruni. That's why he has won four elite world championships. Like a race like that is similar pressure to a race like this where you have one shot you either make it happen or you don't. And I feel like, I mean, in similar positions that I've been, it's like it can be crippling, like what happened to Loris. Um, but Loic seems to, like, allow that to rise him to another level that he couldn't get to without it, and that's um, really awesome to see. And to to watch someone race like that is pretty special. So very exciting end to the season, for sure.
0: Yeah, seriously incredible piece of sporting history and, and yeah, a privilege to watch. And something that I saw uh, on Instagram today, which kind of just made me reflect on how awesome this sport is, is Thibaut De Prella fresh off surgery and straight out of hospital into his kit and on the podium claiming, uh, I think still second place in the overall and Troy Brosnan kind of helping him up onto the podium with him on crutches and everything. It was just such an awesome thing to see. It just reminds you, how gnarly but also how awesome this sport is and how how friendly everyone is how everyone gets on and it was yeah a nice way to round out a pretty uh, a pretty incredible incredible season yeah one of the one that will go down in history yet again I'm sure we can't um we can't let you boys go though without a little lit kit award elliot from uh, from snowshoe anything stand out for you I'm trying to think actually the
2: one of the ones I thought was cool was uh the commensal team twenty the twenty one team maybe um oh yeah it was like this like gradient blue to purple uh I thought that was really cool and i and i like the the commensal one hundred kit like pretty simple like yellow and green i thought that was also really
0: really nice excellent and uh the after party delivered. Then Nico, you, uh, you were saying earlier you you didn't take your knee pads off till two o'clock this morning.
1: Yeah, those are the best ones where it just starts in the pit, all the riders hanging out together, having a good time, and then before you know it, you're um, you're dancing and in a tent somewhere at a disco, and then you still have all your race gear on. So uh, those are some of my <laughs> best memories of racing, and um, from what I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just cool to like hang out with all the guys and um we all race against each other all year and, and every weekend, and then to hang out afterwards is pretty cool, so
0: yeah, good end of the season fantastic and if people wanna win that kit, I'm not sure if it'll be the one from the after party, but you're giving away some kit as part of your uh your bike giveaway, Nico, just remind people what they need to do,
1: yeah, I'm gonna give the bike away um race kit helmet gloves, and shoes so. Um, if they just go to the link in my Instagram bio or nicomalali.com, um, it's a little Shopify site set up and they can either buy the poster to enter to win or just make a $10 donation. And, um, you can make as many as you want and, um, get more entries. So it's all going, every, every, every dollar is going to go towards, um, buying that fleet of bikes for kids to use. So, um, and this year I'm doing it all myself too. Like I've worked with Candade in the past, which is a non-for-profit, um, but I just wanted to do it exactly the way that I wanted to do it. So um, I just t- took it into my own hands and um, doing all the fundraising myself. So um, we would really appreciate it if people could help out. And um, it also helps to spread the word as well. So um, thanks to everyone for, uh, we, I think we've already raised like $7,000 just in the first day. So um, it was awesome to see it go so well. That'll be probably seven, decent mountain bikes for kids to use so we're uh, already making progress
0: that's awesome to hear yeah and uh, on behalf of everyone that listens to these post-race shows which is a lot of people these days a massive thanks to both of you guys for uh, making time and uh, being open and giving us all the insight into what goes on at these races elliot massive congratulations on your first year in the in the commentary i think from everyone i've spoken to you've been a uh, a massively well-received addition to the commentary team. Um, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. It sounds like you are having a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much. Thanks for dragging yourselves out of bed today for this one. I know it probably uh, won't have felt amazing, but I appreciate it. And yeah, uh, look forward to a nice off-season, a bit of rest, and, uh, and catching up with you all again in 2022.
1: It was cool to see so many
0: fans in the pits that,
1: that knew the podcast and that said that they were listening to it on the way driving to the race and um just were stoked about it so uh it's cool that people are into it and um doing this with you two guys makes me look better because you guys are smart and know what you're talking about and i'm happy to be a part of it yeah i totally just want to echo what nico said
2: like crazy to uh I don't know, like, we love doing this, but it's just always so awesome to hear people are like, yeah, I listen to the post race and, um, you know, it's one of the ways that I catch up and stuff like that. So it's, it's a super big privilege and, um, <laughs> great to do it with, with you, Chris, and great to have somebody who's actually riding the track, Nico, um, so <laughs> of just me on the side of the track talking about it, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. I can't wait for, for next year. And uh, we'll see everyone soon.
0: All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you enjoyed it. And a massive thank you for tuning in for these post-race shows and our new pre-race shows with Chris Kilmurray too. The support we get for these things is insane and it's awesome to know that you're enjoying listening. So a massive thank you to you all. Big thank you to Muckoff for supporting this episode of the show. They've just launched their first plastic-free bike cleaner, Punk Powder, and as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off that and the rest of their range by using the code DOWNTIME20 over on muckoff.com during September. Head there now and check out what they have to offer. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the show. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, there's a few ways you can help out. First and most importantly tell your rider mates about the podcast because the more people who listen the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Please share the episodes on your social media it's an awesome way to spread the word and get some buzz going around the episodes and if you've got a bit of time then a review on Apple podcast goes a long way too. All right we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon but until then get out and ride. <laughs>